0: Michael Govanen and welcome to Second Breakfast, discussing Middle-earth. I'm your host, Peter, and I will be taking you through a topic I find quite interesting today. Last episode, we talked about the Ents, their history, some of their deeds in Middle-earth, and also what happened to the Ent wives and where they might have gone. So if Treebeard's line saying, we lost them and now we cannot find them, intrigued you at all, go back an episode and take a listen. This week we are shifting gears a bit, and we'll be discussing the main elven cities and strongholds in Middle-earth. The stereotype is to think of elves living in forests, but that's not the case. Actually, quite the opposite. In fact, many of them lived much like a stereotypical dwarf. So let's start by going from west to east. Actually, we will be starting west of Middle-earth across the sea on the continent of Aman, the continent on which Valinor stands. There was a land on Amman called Eldamar, which was the land the elves who made it to Amman settled in. There were three cities slash strongholds here in Eldamar. Tyrian, Alquilonde, and Avalone. Tyrian was the westernmost and largest settlement in Eldamar. It was a city which was built upon a hill named Tuna. If it helps, the U in Tuna has an accent on it, so it's not just the fish. It was the first home to the Noldor and Vanyar elves, later given to the Noldor, of which Finwë ruled, and his sons such as Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin lived. Tyrion sits upon a green hill in the middle of a valley that the Valar made for them. The walls and terraces were white, and it was said that the sand in the streets were grains of diamond. Crystal stairs led up the hill to the gates of the city. There was a tower in the center of the city which belonged to Ingwë. High King of the Elves, which bore a silver lamp at the top that shone out into the sea, at the base of which grew a white tree that closely represented one of the light-giving trees of Valinor. And fun fact, it was from this tree that the White Tree of Gondor came. Northeast of Tyrion was Alqualondë, the Swan Haven. Home to the Falmari Elves, a faction of the original Teleri Elves that made it to Valinor instead of staying in Middle-earth al was a harbour city built in natural rock and full of great harbours. The city was covered in jewels that they received from the Noldor elves, who were great smiths, as well as pearls that they found in the sea. Their halls were made of pearl, as was the mansion of Olwe, their leader. They were famous for their swan ships, leading to the name Swanhaven, with beaks of gold and eyes of jet. Avalone was a city on an island off the coast of a man called Tol Eressia, the lonely isle, and was the first sight when travelling across the sea to Valinor. It also had a high tower in it, and was described as white shining with a great harbour with lamplit keys. The tower of Avalone kept what was called the Master Stone, the chief of all the Palantiri, the seeing stones. There was also an elf fortress north of Valinor called Formenos, for the house of Feanor in the hills, but not much is said about the city itself, just that Feanor hoarded a multitude of gems and weapons there, and there also kept the Silmarils safe. So right off the bat, we see no mention of forests, but a large, almost rich city on a hilltop, and two harbour cities. And now as we head over the sea to the western shores of Beleriand, in the First Age before those lands were drowned, we will begin to see a shift in setting. There are several strongholds and cities worth mentioning in Beleriand. Starting in the westernmost, we have Vinyamar, which was built in the side of a mountain called Taras, facing the western sea at the beginning of the First Age. Turgon, a lord of the elves known for finding and ruling over Gondolin, stayed here before founding Gondolin, which we will talk about soon. Turgon loved Tyrion, the city upon the hill, but nothing in Middle-earth compared. Vinyamar was the closest he could come to. South of Vinyamar are the havens of the Falas, which are named Brithombar and Elglorest. It was here where the Teleri elves, who stayed in Middle-earth, out of their love for the sea became the first mariners and the first makers of ships, of whom Círdan the shipwright was their leader. They became known as the Falathrim, being of the region of the Falas. These were harbor cities as well, and were havens of peace before Morgoth destroyed them. Yet now the shift in setting happens with our next stronghold, Nargothrond. Nargothrond was an underground stronghold built by Finron Feligand in the banks of the Narog River. Nargothrond was a system of caves and tunnels that bore three great halls as well as the innermost chamber, the deepest cave where a dragon named Glaurung would later hoard the wealth of Nargothrond. Finrod wanted to make an underground fortress after visiting Menegroth, which we will talk about next. And Finrod even enlisted the help of the dwarves of the Blue Mountains in making Nargothrond, rewarding them with jewels from Tirion. And it was these dwarves that gave Finrod the name Feligund, which means hewer of caves. Though delved from the banks of the river Narog, Nargothrond lay underneath the forest covered hills of Tar and Faroth. Finrod was not the first to dwell and work in those caves, but instead, a group called the Petty Dwarves lived there before being driven out. Next, we come to the stronghold that inspired Nargothrond. Menegroth. Also known as the Thousand Caves, Menegroth was the capital city of Doriath, an elven forest kingdom. It was home to King Thingol and his queen, the Maia Melian, who were the parents of Luthien. At a time when the Teleri elves were scattered across Beleriand, Thingol enlisted the help of the dwarves of Belagost in the Blue Mountains to aid him in creating an underground fortress named for the vast number of chambers within. Thingol ordered his people to live in isolation, and thus in peace, because he heard of what happened with the Noldor elves thus far, only keeping in touch with Finrod at Nargothrond. It was in Doriath where the tale of Beren and Luthien starts. If you remember the tale which I've discussed in previous episodes, namely Melkor, Beren's hand, which was holding a Silmaril, is bitten off by the werewolf Karkaroth, who then, in a rampage, sets off across Beleriand and eventually breaks through into the realm of Doriath, where he battles and is killed by Huan, the great wolfhound of Valinor. And that is how the Silmaril came to King Thingol in Menegroth. Menegroth also plays a big part in the tale of the children of Hurin. Turin Turambar is is sent to Doriath to be kept safe as a child, and is adopted by Thingol, spending his years learning to fight and eventually serving to protect Doriath. Yet, in an incident involving the Silmaril, with the dwarves of Nogrod in the Blue Mountains as well, the dwarves slay Thingol. All but two of those dwarves were killed, and those that lived brought back lies that it was the elves that betrayed and killed them. Thus, the dwarves attacked Menegroth in a battle that was to be named the Battle of the Thousand Caves. We discussed this in last week's episode when Baron comes and leads the elves against the dwarves, killing their king while the Ents destroy all of the dwarves who fled. Baron and Luthien's son Dior took command over Doriath, but were soon contested in war by their Noldor kin over the Silmaril. Dior was killed and Menegroth was sacked, never again to be rebuilt. Next we come to probably my favorite elven stronghold in Middle-earth, Gondolin. Gondolin was a secret stronghold hidden from almost everyone in Middle-earth, but most importantly from Morgoth. It was hidden within a valley called the Vale of Tumladen, in the midst of what was called the Encircling Mountains. It was founded atop a lone hill called amon by the Noldor king Turgon of Venyamar. It was the Vala Almo who revealed its location to him in a dream. There was a tunnel leading south called the Hidden Way which was the only feasible way to access Gondolin, which are guarded by seven gates of wood, stone, bronze, iron, silver, gold, and steel. When Gondolin was complete, Turgon left Vinyamar and the lands around it with about one-third of the Noldoran population and led them to Gondolin, as well as the majority of the northern Sindar elves. The city is described beautifully in the Book of Lost Tales, Part two. Then did the throng return within the gates, and the wanderers with them, and Tours saw they were of iron and of great height and strength. Now the streets of Gondolin were paved with stone and wide, curbed with marble, and fair houses and courts amid gardens of bright flowers were set about the ways. And many towers of great slenderness and beauty, builded of white marble, and carved most marvelously, rose to the heaven. Squares there were lit with fountains, and the home of birds that sang amid the branches of their aged trees. But of all these the greatest was the place where stood the king's palace. And the tower thereof was the loftiest in the city, and the fountains that played before the doors shot twenty fathoms and seven into the air, and fell in a singing rain of crystal. Therein did the sun glitter splendidly by day, and the moon most magically shimmered by night. The birds that dwelt there were of the whiteness of snow, and their voices were sweeter than a lullaby of music. At last, near the ending of the First Age and Gondolin stood really as the last great hope of the elves against Morgoth, Turgon was betrayed by his nephew Maeglin, due to temptation and threat of torture by Morgoth and thus Gondolin was found and destroyed by Morgoth's forces. At the conclusion of the War of Wrath, which marked the end of the First Age, the land of Beleriand sunk under the ocean due to the cataclysmic power of the Valar battling against Morgoth. Thus, the elves went east. Our next three locations aren't as much strongholds as they are havens. After the drowning of Beleriand, the new, most western part of Middle-earth was a region called Lindon, with two provinces called and in the north and Harlinden in the south, separated by the Gulf of Loon. After the drowning, on the northern shore of the Gulf of Loon, the Elves built Forland, meaning North Haven in Sindarin, and on the south shore built Harland, meaning South Haven. And on its eastern shore, where the Gulf of Loon feeds the River Loon, stands Mithlond, translated meaning the Grey Havens. Mithlond was the primary haven for the elves west of the Misty Mountains before Rivendell was founded. It was from here where the elves would depart Middle-earth to Eldamar across the sea. It was also here where the Istari, or the wizards, landed when coming from Valinor. Gilgalad was the king of Linden until his death at the hands of Sauron during the War of the Last Alliance, and then Círdan the shipwright took over and was lord of the havens until he was of the last elves to depart Middle-earth across the sea. Next we come to Rivendell, also named Imladris, the last homely house east of the sea. This was also a hidden city, built by the elves in a narrow gorge of the Bruinen River. It is described as a place of peace, not as a stronghold, but many elf warriors lived there and often went to the aid of their allies throughout the Second and Third Ages. Bilbo and the company of dwarves stayed in Rivendell for a time before setting off on their journey. As did Frodo and the Hobbits before the Council of Elrond was held in Rivendell and the fellowship set off. At the end of the Third Age, when Elrond left Rivendell for good, his sons Elidan and Elrohir took over lordship. Our next stop is Austin Edhil, which is the capital city, or I should say, was the capital city of a region called Eregion during the Second Age. Eregion is a region south of Rivendell and north of Dunland at the feet of the Misty Mountains. The Noldor at Austin Edhil were led by Celebrimbor, the grandson of Fëanor who made the Silmarils. They constructed a road between there and Moria to trade with the dwarves. Celebrimbor created the Rings of Power here under the teaching of one named Anatar, who was actually Sauron in disguise. Celebrimbor found out that Sauron's plan was to take them, so Celebrimbor hid the Rings of Power and begun the War of Sauron and the Elves. During which Austin Edil was destroyed. The elves who survived retreated to Rivendell. The fellowship came upon the ruins in a region also called Holland, when traveling south. Now we cross over the Misty Mountains and find ourselves in the center of the forest realm of Lothlorien, where the city of Galadhon stood. It was surrounded by a wall of green earth, with a moat surrounding it called the Deep Fosse, with only one gate that led in. It was comprised of malorn trees, which first originated in Tol Eressia and Valinor. They had smooth bark and sprouted leaves green on top and silver underneath, which turned gold in autumn but did not fall in the winter. When they did fall in spring, flowers bloomed and new leaves in their place. Galadriel and Celeborn eventually called this their home, and much like Doriath, kept mostly in isolation, but not nearly to the same extent as King Thingol did in Doriath. The elves permitted the Fellowship to pass their borders and enter the city before leaving shortly thereafter. Orcs attacked Lorien in the Third Age, but I couldn't find anything that said Kerascalathon was actually attacked. Only that during the same days of the Battle of the Pelennor Field outside of Minas Tirith, forces from Dol Guldur, Sauron's old fortress in Mirkwood, assaulted Lorien three times. This is written about in Appendix B of the Lord of the Rings. After the fall of the Dark Tower and the passing of Sauron the shadow was lifted from the hearts of all who opposed him, but fear and despair fell upon his servants and allies. Three times Lorien had been assailed from Dulguldur, but besides the valor of the Elven people of that land, the power that dwelt there was too great for any to overcome, unless Sauron had come there himself. Though grievous harm was done to the fair words on the borders, the assaults were driven back, and when the shadow passed, Celeborn came forth and led the host of Lorien over Anduin in many boats. They took Dolguldur, and Galadriel threw down its walls and laid bare its pits, and the forest was cleansed. This was something I actually didn't know until researching for this episode. I never knew what actually happened with Dol Guldur, only assuming it remained abandoned after Sauron left it for Mordor. Alright, only two more to go. Next we are venturing to southeastern Gondor, where the harbor city of Ethelud stood. It was founded before the ending of the First Age by refugee elves fleeing Morgoth before his defeat. Not much is said about it, except that ships also sailed west to Valinor from there, and that the Prince of Lorien, named Amroth, was lost at sea near there. And finally, we come to Mirkwood, where the Elven King's Halls are located. In the north of Mirkwood, King Thranduil, Legolas's father, rules his kingdom from yet another cave system called the Elven King's Halls. Many of the elves lived in the forest, but the caves served as Thranduil's palace and stronghold, including his treasuries and prisons. Thorin's company was captured by the elves and held prisoner in these caves before Bilbo rescued them, and they escaped. The halls were made in response to Sauron's inflection of greenwood, then being named Mirkwood. Thranduil got the help of the dwarves much like King Thingol with Menegroth, though these halls were not nearly as magnificent. We learned this from an obviously biased Gimli when he called Thranduil's caves hovels, a small, squalid, unpleasant, or simply constructed dwelling, compared to the glittering caves. Much like we just learned about Lothlorien, forces from Dol Guldur attacked Thranduil's realm, and just like Lorien, his forces were victorious. Since this is our last city slash stronghold, I will continue to read what Appendix B says. In the north also, there had been war and evil the realm of thranduil was invaded and there was a long battle under the trees and great ruin of fire but in the end thranduil had the victory and on the day of the new year of the elves keleborn and thranduil met in the midst of the forest and they renamed mirkwood erin lasgalin the wood of green leaves Thranduil took all of the northern region as far as the mountains that rise in the forest for his realm, and Celeborn took all the southern wood below the narrows, and named it East Lorien. All the wide forest between was given to the Beornings and the Woodmen. But after the passing of Galadriel in a few years, Celeborn grew weary of his realm, and went to Imladris to dwell with the sons of Elrond. In the Greenwood, the Sylvan elves remained untroubled. But in Lorien, there lingered sadly only a few of its former people, and there was no longer light or song in Caras Galathon. Wow, there we have it. The main elven strongholds, cities, and havens in Middle-earth, spanning nearly every era and age. The main reason I wish to speak on this episode, besides some demand for it is because I feel that there's an elf stereotype with elves that they are all very natural-minded beings and live in forests, much like in Lorien and Mirkwood. Yet we see this only counts for some of the elves, while others lived in harbor cities or underground like the stereotypical dwarves. And not only their living arrangements, but their lifestyles often defy the stereotype, either being closely connected to the sea and living mariner lives, or being craftsmen and smiths. There's more to the elves than just Rivendell, Lorien, and Mirkwood, and I think I've covered that in depth this episode. So, out of all the places we covered today, which one's your favorite? Or maybe, which one surprised you the most? Let me know in the Facebook group. I'll be posting a poll, like always. Next week, I've chosen a topic that is becoming widely popular due to the hints the Amazon Lord of the Rings show is dropping. If you didn't know, they're dropping pictures of the map of Middle-earth, using the poem about the Rings of Power as their captions. So, we will discuss the Rings of Power, what they were, how they came to be, and what happened to them. And who knows, maybe it'll set the scene for you before Amazon does, if that's what they're doing at all. Farewell.